I am unashamed. What about you? We just had one come through. A lot of people said, so how y'all doing? You're up in north central Louisiana. Uh, what people have to remember who are not from Louisiana, we live a stone's throw, a little further than a stone's throw, I'd say 100 yards. We live 100 yards from a river <clears throat> that comes out of Arkansas, the Washita. We have water fluctuation naturally, but we're not shocked by it year in and year out. We have a water regime that fluctuates 30 feet. So just look 100 yards away. You see you see a bayou. You're like, how high does that thing get? You say 30 feet. Straight up. And they look, they look around, but where you are, and we're right on the edge of, we're just on a hill, just above it. Phil, you're on the edge of madness. Yeah. <laughs> the 30 foot water, when it hits, if you get it, if it goes to 30, it's under my house. The water's under my house, a 30 footer. You say, so you do have a little slack there. You do have a little slack. It's never got in the house? Never got in the house. Now it gets within about, in 91, it got to within a foot of being in the house, I eased across the river in a boat and motor, looked at the levee, and the levee was like two inches where I was. My house was like a foot. Yeah. It was two inches on that levee, two more inches, and it breaches the levee, and it's, it'll rip a big hole in it, and the floodwaters will begin to recede, and somebody else is flooded. I only make the point to let people know <clears throat> You live at a place 40 years. You know there's going to be water in your yard. You'll be cut off by water from time to time. You you, you park then higher up the, the, the high ground. You walk across to your dwelling with the groceries. You got a four-wheeler or something, bring the groceries in. So it's a little bit, you know, clumbersome, but it's, it's no big thing. So we're used to looking at floodwaters on an ongoing basis, we, we say, yep, uh, where's it going to get to? And they say, 45 feet. And I'm like, 45, woo. 21.2 is pool stage. That's when everything is just sitting there, low as it gets. 31.2, you got a 10-foot rise. 41.2, you got a 20-foot rise. We're, we begin to gather up stuff. You don't leave stuff in your yard, stuff that will float away or that water will ruin. We have equipment. <clears throat> we begin to move it out, to move to higher ground, got one coming. We're looking at, I'm not a computer person, but I've got people who look at them. I said, what does that computer say this water's going to do? So you can say, you got another 10-foot rise. I said, 10 foot. All right, we move stuff further up the hill. What about now? It's got another five-foot rise. We move stuff back up the hill further. When all of it leaves, we return, and life gets back down to normal. But my point is, we don't get excited about floods. We're, we're so used to it. That's part of life in Louisiana. Now yeah, we, we dodged a bullet on, uh, at least in, up in Monroe, dodged a you bullet. You saw what a little but, creek but and Waverly Us dodging a bullet means somebody got yeah. hammered to you the You saw east a little creek in Waverly, Tennessee. I mean, it's just a creek, a little small thing. If you dump 17 inches of rain on it, it just rips the neighborhoods apart. It's just up, and it blows everything away, going in people's houses, falls out. Yeah. You say, well, what in the world, 17 inches overnight? Mm. But anywhere around here, if that happens, there's big trouble with floods. It's just too much water to drain off that rapidly. So I'm just saying we, we, we did well. I really feel for the people in deep south Louisiana. A lot of guys I played ball with, they were from La Rose and those yeah. various parishes. You they know. got hit hard. They and, got and, hit and hard. And Tennessee's going to, I mean, they're going to get it It's too. amazing it's, not many. I, I You know, so far I haven't heard the loss of life, but because one's too many. But it's just amazing how destructive a hurricane is, and you would think. Our brothers in South Louisiana are a very hardy 
group yeah. of individuals. A lot of those people, right? They're, they're like me. They're yeah. used to waters, <clears throat> but they say, well, this one, you know, nothing you can do but just run and come back later. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Well, this one was a big one. Those things and, and, will never stop. And it we'll came always on have. Pretty suddenly. I mean, yeah. you only had a couple days of notice. Well, Man, we, we had, we had, men with all their ingenuity are never going to fix to solve the problem of floods. If it rains enough, you're going to flood. Yeah, we had to rearrange our plans here. We were going to have uh, Shane and Shane on the podcast. and um, I was disappointed. I actually prepared. I was like, now what do they do? Because I wasn't familiar with them. Yeah. And you sent me one of their songs, which I was really impressed with. Uh, they do I, worship yeah. songs. These go, are musicians? Yeah. Look, they go through the book of Psalms, and they so that's where they get their material, which is a good place to go. And they... They write worship songs, I guess, that were written from the Psalms. Yeah. And they're really good. So I, I had picked <clears> out, <throat> you know, I just hadn't gone through the Psalms in so long, but there's 150 of them. Yeah. And so I went through some and I had song ideas for Shane and Shane that were a little, little offbeat. And uh, so I thought we might have a writing session. So when did this group but, arrive? Well, they were coming in. They were supposed to come in on yesterday. I mean, but, how long have they been musicians? Oh, they've been around a while. They're they've got a they 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 put out quite a bit of music. They're they're unbelievable. Um, I heard them at a at an event I was at in Arizona, and the reason why I like these guys is because um, their music and their whole persona is very Christ exalting. Um, in fact, we were worshiping uh, with a group in in uh, Arizona, a small group of people. This is where I met I met Shane. I met both of them, uh, but I got to be buddies with Shane Ever. He's a he's kind of an outdoorsman, a little bit of a country boy, redneck kind of guy. Loves to hunt fish. So we were talking. I didn't even know who he was. We we're talking about duck hunting, and and uh, then he walks up on stage and starts leading the whole thing. I was like, oh, I didn't know that was him. And um, but they, as they're singing. They moved into one of the songs, the last song, and of course I'm like eyes closed. I'm just worshiping the Lord, and I'm kind of lost in the moment. And we sang the last. You know, sometimes they'll let the audience sing, and they just kind of back off the mic. So oh, yeah. they let the audience <laughs> sing, and I open my eyes up, and they're gone. <laughs> it's like they're gone. It's intentional. It was like this is about him. And so yeah, their initiative that they're working on now. Um, they've got a new album coming out. We'll have them on. We're gonna, they're going to come back, but they're going to. Uh, uh, they've got a new album coming out. They're going through. Um, they do a lot of hymns. They go through the the Psalms and rewrite those um, and put them to. I mean, it's just incredible. I'll, I'll send you some of the stuff. I mean, I we we've incorporated a lot of their music in our church um, just because we want to get to songs that are that are scripturally sound and 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 God exalting and a little. Yeah, you know, I use the word disruptive in a good way. So, uh, but we'll have them well, back in. Their singing is you know it's kind of touchy feely. And uh, so I was kind of in fun, was going to come up with some different ideas to yeah. get them out of their comfort zone. So you may give you a sample. Of one. Of, I was dying to get into this. So like Psalm 141 is all about the evil world setting traps for people of faith. And so I was like, dun, dun, dun. lots of them around. So, so if I just read this, like one verse from Psalm 141, it says uh, in verse 9, Keep me from the snares they have laid for me, from the traps set by evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. So see, these are not the type of songs. So you want to see if they can present it. Well, I was going to, it's a trap. You know, you got these trap sounds from cymbals and tambourine. It's a trap. It's like a salsa trap song, which would be fun, but it also, there's a seriousness there because that is happening. So I was going to try to expand their horizons. Lots of traps in this I just wanted to see what they would say. Probably crickets. Maybe you get a writing credit. never know. Well, they're going to come back, so we'll have them on. And Traps then, are reality, Jace. Yeah, yeah, reality. So I had another it's one. It's not pie in the sky. Uh, I had another know. one from Psalm one thirty four. It was only two verses, and it talks about not ministers of the night. So I've how never old even do you have thought to about that? <clears throat> you know, how old do you have to be if you say, "Well, I'll never run into a trap on planet Earth." Someone trying to trap me or something. 
you're like, no, you're, you're a dreamer. There's traps everywhere, oh, everywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. all the texts, be careful how you live, watch out for this, watch out for this. You know, you're wrestling against Yeah, what them. was the movie when that old boy said, it's a trap? Uh, oh, brother, where are you? Oh, yeah. Come yeah. on yeah. now. Come on. So I'm stealing a little bit of their idea. But the, the Psalm, I mean, it was a it was a good study because the Psalm 134 is like, what is it, night ministers? I well, think they'll go with some in, of those. In the temple, in uh, temple worship in First Chronicles, it was a reference to that. And I was looking, well, some of the, the musicians, it says they would rest during the day because they were ministers of night. So they let other people get everything ready. But I thought, we have night ministers today. I thought about that Chad Johnson. He takes people yeah. frog hunting and, and fishing at night. He gets them out there because it you know, it scares people. And I realized this from – I would shared this story before. You know, I would give uh, – I would auction off frog hunts for charity. Well, I, I was stunned how much people will pay to do that because to them it's exhilarating and they're scared. They go mm -hmm. out there and they scream all night long. And you're kind of seeing their heart in that situation, but you're also showing them God's creation and you're doing something out of their comfort zone, yeah. you know. And eventually, like what Chad does, they'll have a prayer, you know, just floating down the water and amongst all the creatures and the sounds. And, you know, their people are trying to get their life right. And so I thought about that. I thought about uh, gators are in the shallow water. Oh, they yeah. see them. I'm telling it, it, it shakes people up. Well, it, he, it, he's on call. 24-7. I mean, 3 o'clock in the yeah. morning, that guy's ready to go. But you know, I also thought about when I was a teenager and the first time I went out to camp, you know, where Willie owns that and, and his son, John Luke, runs it. But I had a lot of favorable memories of that, uh, of being out because they yep. take all distractions away. There's no cell phones. There, and you spend a week out there basically worshiping God, having fun, doing classes and different thing but you're just living out in in the woods it's a camp but one night during that week-long session they and you probably remember this they have what they called an all-night prayer session oh yeah and i remember first hearing that i thought we're gonna pray all night i mean how are we gonna do that well what they did is they by each cabin would take an hour but in essence you would pray all night till the sun comes up yeah, and I'm telling you that, that that it was a really powerful moment to be a part of that every every year, mm. and I thought, well, now I get it. Minister there was a the psalm night. about it, night ministers. So kind of a take on. I thought the melody could be that you know in the worldly song they had the night moves. Yeah, you know, Bob yeah. Seger working yeah. on a night. That one. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, where is the spiritual? version of that we need a song about night movers who's your guy that sang the night moves bob seeger yeah seeger yeah that was about yeah. something a little different though because i'm kind of a that night that's a different kind of night move yeah my first year of marriage i literally shared jesus with people at all hours of the night i mean it just i don't know the lord it was his idea. That's when people called, and that age yeah. bracket I was in, it was I would have all night Bible studies. But I actually look back on it. If I'd have read Psalm one thirty four, I was actually a night minister. Well, I, yeah. I think that's a there. There is a shelf life on night ministry, and my and that shelf life for me has passed. <laughs> <laughs> I did, running uh -huh. doing college ministry for. Yeah, you know, ten years. You're like yeah, there's gray beginning to get below your yeah, on your chin. Uh, Zach. I, can't, I can't do it. But now. we need these people. You know, I mean, you the Bible, like First Thessalonians five, is like, those who get drunk get drunk at night. Most most people at night, and I'm saying between midnight and five a.m. Yep. There's a lot of corruption going on. You are correct. But there is a small group of men and women who love Jesus and are on. I think the cutting edge of ministry, they are night ministers. They're the ones getting But it's the dirtiest of all ministries. I think about, you mentioned Chad and Debbie. I mean, I'm like, I don't know how, I, I do not know how they do it. I mean, those they they're on call for women who, I mean, they'll, they're, they're picking up women who are trapped in prostitution. And I mean, they, they're doing some of the, I mean, it is a messy business, but I look at um, when my, when my mom passed away. This is an interesting story. I may have told this before on here, and I'm at the funeral, and they've got 
I mean, there's a line out the door of people wanting to pay their respects. And, um, and I knew most of them, but one lady comes up to me and she's just weeping. And she said, man, I'm, my son is saved because of your mom. And I didn't know who she was. I'm like, so really? She said, oh, yeah. So then she starts telling me the story of mom it's an encounter with Phil and and her and how like influential mom was in, in Phil's conversion of introducing Bill Smith to him and bringing Bill Smith in and which by the way we're working on a movie about for our <coughs> listeners about the first twenty eight years of, of Phil and Kay's marriage which is going to be very powerful and part of this is going to be in what's the movie. that going to be rated <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get it from R to PG thirteen but it's yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting but but she's telling that story and she said and you're and so Phil comes to Christ to your mom um, at least partly from your mother's ministry and and and, and just heart for for him he converts and when we say by the way he converts what we mean is that Phil introduced Jesus to that's what we mean by that he introduces Jesus to Chad Johnson Chad yeah. Johnson rescued this woman out of prostitution and drug addiction and who's she, the night minister i was referring who's, to who's the night ago. minister and who was estranged from her son but after going through the transformation program um her son finally after a year came to church with her and then he i think he heard maybe you speak or you one of you you guys preach and then he responds to the gospel and and became a christian and she's like so i just want you to know and, I, and of course that was of all the things that came forward it was it was that because that those were night ministers. Bill Smith going into that bar meeting you. That's a, See, you that, like my idea about this night. I do. Minister. I kind of like it. Let's <laughs> take a quick break. Stone does. He, he two. Oh uh, well, I I, I I ate over there last night. He did a uh, a smoked chuck roast and some venison, and I will tell you, as someone who loves to to eat meat, it, the quality of meat matters. This shocked me. Uh, our our folks at uh, good friends at Good Ranchers. I gave us this information that 80% of grass-fed beef sold in the U.S. is imported from overseas. So we're probably not eating American grass-fed beef. Um, our good friends at Good Ranchers have traveled the country on a mission to help American families by working together with local farms and ranches, and um, they ship straight to your door. GoodRanchers.com is a safe and convenient way for you to order meat. Uh, they'll help your family save money. They've got uh, T-bones, fillets, strips, gourmet, that at half the price of online competitors. You get the steakhouse quality you deserve at a price every family can afford. Uh, go to GoodRanchers.com to buy now and subscribe today. You'll save 20% on each box of mouthwatering meats. Subscribing brings the cost down to about less than 5 bucks a meal. Uh, plus, so right now you, you can get an additional $20 off and free express shipping if you go to GoodRanchers.com slash Phil and use our code Phil. At checkout, that's $20 off and free express shipping at goodranchers.com slash Phil. Know where your meat comes from with goodranchers.com. Somebody asked me yesterday uh, with the brothers, they said, did, did, is there any way to get married here? I said, we will marry you to Jesus first, and then you can marry each other if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I said, we'll start with Jesus. You marry him first. They're like, really? I said, yeah. I said, then we'll get to the to the marriage between you two. I said, think on that. Be right here a week from right now. We'll start the process. They, That's said, pretty cool. they said, okay, we'll be there Sunday. But see, right. to me, that goes in with where we're at in Matthew, talking about John the Baptist's role in Jesus. Because you remember when John the Baptist died, his his death, came from him rebuking the powers that be in yep. their marriage situation. Yep. Yep. I'm not sure where that is. Well, even uh, even yep. when you think about the the we talk about the night ministers, these are these are the rogue ministers, you know. John the Baptist was a rogue minister. I mean, he didn't fit the mold for sure. You know what I mean? He was he was in dirty ministry. Yeah. You, you, I just thought there was a better chance with the uh, with the if you wanted a formula, come to Jesus first, mm-hmm. marry him, and then you two marry each other. And I said, we can do that on the same day. Yeah. And they were like, that is awesome. I said, think about it. I'll look for you next week. Because if you're serious, you'll be back. Yeah. But if you just want to run it by me, you know, can we get married? Let's go. I said, 
you may not think of the weight of all this. I said, this is a serious thing. Were they from here? I think they were local. Mm-hmm. But one of them said, you know, he was, I think he said he worked out there at the mill. I said, contact Chad Johnson. Yeah. I said, why are you there? I so, said, Phil, he's, you— he's uh, a good, solid brother. Moving into Matthew 3, though, you, you actually had one stint as an actor— from, uh, I, I, ne- I didn't see it, but I heard that you actually got to play John the Baptist. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. Uh, I didn't know the audience. I brought that up a When I was just quoting what John was was saying, you brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes, who warned you of the coming rat? And, but I was saying it, you know, I was acting. Yeah. I mean, I'm... But people started crying, and I don't, it was a stir. Okay, I found this. I, I found mean, this. People were getting up and leaving. People were crying. And, but I was just telling them what John the Baptist, showing them yeah. what John the Baptist was like. But it created quite the uproar. Uh, but you awesome. know what? We're going to get to this since we're studying Matthew. It's in Matthew. It was in, live. In, in 14, when Herod, in verse 3, had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. I mean, you just think that's where it started, mm-hmm. which in Matthew 3, which I said last podcast, I, I, I believe there was something from God's plan about bridging the gap from having his chosen people, the Jews, and having the law, and then bringing John the Baptist Forth, who, as far as keeping the law, was near flawless. Oh, uh-huh. you. <laughs> I mean, it said he had the Holy Spirit from birth around him and never oh, touched yeah. for a minute drink. He, and he's out there just throwing haymakers about anything that was not lining up with the law. Some of them I mean, say I'm too blunt, but I said, well, I've never started a Bible study by saying you brood of vipers. <laughs> Well, that warned you of the coming wrath. I, I, I've never gone that far with it. Mm. So you well, yeah, you weren't that blind. Let's read it. And, and as John, uh, Matthew three one, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near." This is he who who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So John the Baptist, before he kind of gets into that indictment of the brood of vipers, I mean, he was prophesied about. This is not a, I mean, this 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 is somebody prophesied about in, in the Old Testament, which I think. You is- turn one page just to give the people an update because everybody's waiting on the kingdom to get here. 2,000 years after John said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. I have my hand, you listeners, on, on, on the page. I'm on Matthew 3. I turn one page, and I'm looking at Matthew 4. From that time on, verse 17, Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. See if this sounds like John. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, I've folded three pages now in my Bible, and I'm turning over again. As you go, he sends out the, 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 the uh, disciples. As you go, verse 10, chapter 10, verse 7. As you go, preach this message. Jesus is talking. The kingdom of heaven is near. Now, i got three times in a row out of the same book with John the Baptist, Jesus, and the disciples, and they're all saying precisely the same thing. But a lot of people Repent. are wondering what you're, well, they're like, why are you making making a point about it? Why that? would you read that and say, yeah, it's coming 2,000 years later, it, 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 somewhere in the future, the kingdom will be here. We're, we're just waiting on it to get here. If John the Baptist and Jesus and the disciples are saying, it's at hand, Mm -hmm. it's near. We'll just start there and read the rest of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and get back with me on whether the kingdom of God is even here or not. If it was near 2,000 years ago when this went down and all three of them were saying the same thing, wouldn't you think that it arrived at some point? I think the confusion... Pretty quick. The confusion comes in 
if you define kingdom, which is basically where God reigns, yeah, I think what got what's missed is people look around at the earth and say, "Well, God's not reigning here because look at this place. It's mm-hmm. we have diseases, there's a hurricane, there's wars, and just the things in the past week that have happened." And they're blaming God, so they're like, well, the kingdom can't be here. What they're missing, I believe, is that when someone surrenders to God and he reigns in their life, that is a part of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And when you look at some of the verses where you now, you know, later when he says, even in this this passage in chapter three, when John the Baptist says that in verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who's way more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mm. So you have the introduction of the Holy Spirit actually being available. Well, if you house the Holy Spirit of God in your body, Oh, you're part of the kingdom of God because God is reigning yeah. in, in you. And you, you have got, all these passwords. Christ is in you. Well, well, you heard what Matthew recorded John the Baptist is saying <clears throat> in Mark, Mark chapter 1, uh, about verse 13 to 14, 15. The kingdom of God, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. That's Mark chapter 1. You turn nine chapters, Mark 9, 1, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. You're going to see it in your lifetime, they were being told. So for someone to miss that yeah. is beyond me. Well, I, I well what I was going to say, though, Phil, is that we, we tend to focus on this, what I just said about the kingdom of God on earth being people who house the spirit of God. We That's are, him. the kingdom is here through That's those him. people. What, but what other people, religious people focus on is the next phase of that, which is the bodily resurrection where the kingdom is gathered together, which, which is true that, that, that will happen. You know, in first Corinthians 15, speaking yeah. of the resurrection, he says that, so in Adam all die, so in Christ all be made alive. And then he has an interesting, uh, let me read it so I don't get it wrong. But in 1 Corinthians 15, when he says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Where's that at? That's fact 1523. And the kingdom then is the end will, over. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until all his enemies are under his feet. The last enemy destroyed is death. So I think there's a part of the religious world who are only focused on that aspect of, of talking about the kingdom. And I'm like, but you're missing the part where John the Baptist and Jesus are saying in this, 2,000 years ago, roughly. And all the disciples. Yeah, that the kingdom is at hand. Now, I've had arguments with people and discussions that say, well, that doesn't mean near <laughs> or at hand. Like, it's fixing to happen. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not sure what that, because they're like, well, with the, with the Lord, a year's it, like a thousand days. It will be here before you die. It's coming in their lifetime. Yeah, where is that? Yeah, that one's let's, the Mark uh, 9 one. Yeah. Yep. yeah, let's take a quick break. I, I, I think the reason why people, why this is why this matters. It, you, you really get this if you work with young people. Yeah. If you work with older people, it's not a big a deal. But if you work with like young 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, and you say, let me give you the gospel. You come to Jesus, you put your faith in him, all your sins will be forgiven. And if then now grind it out for 80 years, so you're about 80, 80 or 90, and you'll die. Then you get reward, you get the reward. Mm. That's not the best news. Cause I, I've got to you're telling me I gotta grind it out the rest of my life. But if the kingdom is here and the kingdom is now, then I can start to experience the presence of God and the joy of my salvation right now. 
I think that's what that's why it matters. Like just like boots on the ground. Why does it matter what we're talking about here? It matters because you're participating. What we're submitting to you is that you're participating in the kingdom now. It's what Nicodemus like. I want to see the kingdom. I want to see the kingdom. And Jesus said, "You can't." And what see did the Jesus kingdom. start talking about? Being born again. Yeah, started talking about the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got Peter. Now we're going to get to this because we're in Matthew. But you know, when Jesus, where is that? Matthew sixteen, where he asked the disciples, "He like, who do you say I am?" And Peter said, "You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And he's like, "I tell you what, on that rock, I'm going to build my church, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven." A lot of religious people, when they read that, they immediately to get back to my point envision peter at in heaven with a big gate and he's got some keys that fit that gate and they're like so when you die you meet saint peter you're gonna meet peter he's gonna unlock the gate because he's got god gave him some keys now look I'm reading in the Bible, and I see that he got these keys based on him saying that Jesus is the Son of God. And I read when John the Baptist just said that he's uh, the Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I turn a few pages mm-hmm. to Phil's point over to Acts two, and I see this wind come up, and there's fire on people's heads, and yeah. the Holy Spirit is dumped out from heaven, and it. The signs and miracles and the of that. gospel is being preached. And then this fellow Peter gets up. He's the one that got up because well, well, he is ha- the one who have, has the keys. Well, but I'm saying we're looking at that. Other people said, no, he's, that's the keys to the gate up at heaven. And so he, what does he do? He basically, basically declares that same confession he made to Jesus in Matthew 16. He's like, yep. look, Jesus is the son of God. Yeah, yep. He is a man, came from David line and like what we talked about in Matthew 2. And so he goes through the death and the burial and the resurrection. It was impossible it for him it to be dead. Them. They're all look, listening like the same guy from Nazareth and born in Bethlehem. He's like, yeah, I'm, let me assure you that he is both Lord and Christ. So the people here, they're cut to the heart. Oh, hold on. He But he told them what they did. He said... But you, you, with the help of well, wicked men, right. put him to death. And the fact that a lot of them, which some of them probably did wander away when they heard that, because they're like, well, who are you to put that on us? Yeah. You know? yeah. So they're, they're cut to the heart, and then the same word comes up, because they say, well, what should we do? And he's like, repent. Well, that's now we have almost kind of like an infusion of what John was preaching, because then he says, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, and then it said, you'll receive forgiveness of sins, which kind of goes into what John the Baptist is saying, but then all of a sudden, it's like, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, to me, at that moment, that's where people should say, wait a minute here. You saw what he said to Nicodemus. You saw this conversation between John the Baptist here, if you house the Holy Spirit of God, guess what? The kingdom is now here. Yeah. In you. And so when he said, I give you the keys, I think it's the declaration. The keys are the declaration that Jesus is the son of the living God. Yeah. He, he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He's Lord. That's it. And so when you when you surrender to that and and, you know, repentance is more than just saying, oh, I'm sorry for what I did. I mean, it's a change of thinking because that's what he was appealing to. He was trying to get in inside their mind and change how they viewed this Jesus. The little baby Jesus turned out to be the king. The king. That's yeah. why he started off saying, where's the king of the Jews? And the Magi came and then yep. Pilate gets at the end yep. and says, you're the king of the Jews. Well, no, he missed it. No, he's just king. He's well, king, hey, Jew, it, Gentile. He's he's king. He's in control. It's why Jesus, you when remember he said. Remember Pilate said, said, are you a king? He said, you've said, you've said it. Oh, he acknowledged it. And then, but, but speaking of the kingdom, when Jesus said, when you pray, he said, this is what you need to be praying. Like, the thy kingdom come. Yeah, that will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. So I think when we think about like, like what well, this is relevant for today because um, my neighbor uh, spent a good bit of time in Afghanistan working with the State Department, 
and I go over there. He, he's on the front porch today, almost in tears. And I'm like, man, what's wrong? He's like, man, I've got my phone's blowing up. Emails are blowing up. You know, all these people trapped in Afghanistan, people that I know, Afghanis that he knew and had worked with over there that are running for their lives. Um, you think about the underground church in Afghanistan running for their life. The Taliban's hunting these people down. You think, why, why does it matter if the kingdom's here? Uh, I think it matters in, in, because like God, God's kingdom is is actively working right here. The kingdom is moving in Afghanistan right now, and they're trying to stamp it out, but they can't. That's why I I major in kingdom work, yeah, not governmental work. That's good. Man made constructs. I'm like, no, I'm not your man. But that's why people who when you said like converting people or your mom, yeah, it's. It's Christ in us. It's the Holy Spirit. That It's God converting people through these jars of clay with our baggage. It's not really us. No, it's not. And I think people misunder, misinterpret that whenever, because we get comments every now and then, well, Phil's not converting anybody. I'm like, well, that's not what we're saying. Like well, God, like we're, yeah, we're, we're well, just. People are scared of that word conversion because when they think that, they think, oh, it's a cult. You're, they're con- like, yeah, yep. brainwashing. You know, we've been brainwashed, but it's been by the Spirit of God. It, it wasn't, and it was at our own choosing. Yeah, but it's what it is, it's, it's an introduction to Jesus and it's a revelation of your, of your, of your sin, your depravity, but it's also a revelation of, of, of what Christ did in his finished work on the cross. I think there's a big theological debate that's gone on for the last several years. And it's kind of coming to a head now of uh, this idea of you got two things going on. Uh, Christ died for my sins. The theological term is substitutional penal atonement. Christ died as a substitute for my, for the penalty of my sin and then the other side is saying, no, no, Christ died for the collective atonement of every, like, of humanity. And they, and it's like we we pit these things against one another. I, I think this matters in the context of this kingdom discussion because Christ died for, for Zach Dasher's sins, me individually. He died for Phil Robertson's sins. He died for Jace and all you listening. He died for your sins individually and stood in your place. When we are added into the kingdom, then Christ uses individuals to redeem the world. And so that's why you see um, the church, the underground church. We're like we're supporting the underground church and the liberation of people in China and the liberation of people in Afghanistan. You you see us working towards things like justice and stuff, but we do it collectively. But we can't begin that work until we're personally redeemed, and then then the kingdom is unleashed on the world as it happened in this particular place. And you look at it, hospitals. Uh, the advancement of science, cures for all these diseases, that all came from from, from God's people. All the earthly kingdoms yeah, have in fact collapsed, <clears throat> and we're 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 going down that road too, getting closer all the time. We're moving in the wrong direction, but the kingdom of God, when someone obeys the gospel like they did in Acts chapter two, yeah. repent, be baptized, you receive God's spirit. You, it'll be a spiritual kingdom under a. American governmental construct. Well, not just American, but it's a a spiritual kingdom. We're a constitutional republic, you say. That's correct. And the kingdom of God is working along through that. Now, this will collapse like all the rest of them has. The the man-made construct was well thought out. It was Bible-based. But you say... But the kingdom will never be destroyed. And government and, 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 and the kingdom and, fall, and the kingdom but not the kingdom. And the kingdom is working in, in America, but the kingdom's also working in Afghanistan that and Iran. Worldwide. It's it's a spiritual kingdom though, but to Jason's point, or it's housed in human bodies. That's it. <laughs> I mean, so the Holy Spirit is housed. I've had him ask me what group I mean, what me, group will I be with? I said, What group will you be with? Let me said, read Just this. Tell them the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Like, let me hmm. read this and based on what he said, offer me a different explanation. This is Luke seventeen, twenty and twenty one. Once been having once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied. The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, or other translation says visibly. Yep. Nor will people say, here it is, 
or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is within or among mm. you. You will be the kingdom. And they all looked around like, look, what? Look, <clears throat> people who make this only futuristic, this this Jesus red letters gives you a contradiction of that. Because people are like, well, when we wait, we'll know it when we see it. Well, no, he said the opposite. It's not going to come with your careful observation. You're you're not going to look over there and say, there it is. That's right. Here it is. Because it's within or among people. Well, it's like the, well, he also says it's like the wind. You can't say where it's coming from or where it's going. It's spirit-led people. I don't know what else it can be. Yeah, it, it, and it's probably fair to say it's it's not here in full fruition, which it will be when, well, it, we, when, when we, it gathers. We said it. that. Yeah. There, there's another phase, but I'm saying a lot of the religious world nullify the facts that you're part of the kingdom once you house the Holy Spirit. There's because God the reigns in force, us. It's the greatest force on power on planet Earth. There's a there's a uh, there's a heresy in, in in scripture known as Gnosticism, which is essentially the idea that that the everything physical is is evil and bad, and everything spiritual is good. And I think what what happens with this theology of the kingdom that we're talking about is it blows Gnosticism out of the water because it says basically that the kingdom is here. It's a spiritual kingdom manifested in, in bodily form, which, by the way, is what Christ did as well. Right. The, the kingdom of heaven coming in bodily form. But but it is here. And and it, I think it matters when John says that the, he I mean, that's what he that's the first thing it says about him that he said was that the repent. For the kingdom of God is near. Yeah, that's why we're making such a big deal it, about it. It's a big deal. And Jesus repeated it in, in the next chapter when he starts his ministry. And the disciples like, went out. He repent. said, preach this message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. They're like, is that it? Yeah. He said, that's it. And I think it matters now more than ever because when we're in times where, like I remember the last... It's the greatest event in human history when the kingdom showed up. And it's encouraging Jesus. because how many times, if you're listening to this podcast over the last year, and I, this is a admission of my own part, that I've felt defeated because I look around at the culture and I look around whatever, and geopolitical, and you're like, man, is there any hope? And, and, the, tr and the answer is yes. Why? Because the kingdom is here. But that's why I was so encouraged. We talked about this in the last episode with, with uh, Sadie's event this weekend because I saw the kingdom of God unfolding in a room of 1,200 young girls, and I, I, I saw the kingdom move. And yep. I was like, wait a second. It just hit me. Like, it's like, they're not going to shut down the kingdom, no matter how bad it gets. Like, the kingdom of God will not be thwarted. That is correct. It will not be shut down, and we can take comfort in that. Well, because they can't find it. Because they, can't, they it. can't say, here it is or there it is, because it's, it's within people. That's it, why it's even amongst all religious groups and amongst the whole world. They're actually, I think Colossians 3 speaks on that, where it says, you know, Hit we're, Colossians we're hidden, 1 while you're there. We're hidden in Christ. Mm -hmm. it, it's like, and we may be in a house somewhere. We may be in a church building, but we also may be, you know, in a parking lot. We were talking about the night moves. I mean, I remember being in a parking lot of a bar because I met with this girl the night before who was a new Christian. And I said, I keep getting reports that you're going to bars. And she's like, well, they're lying. I'm not doing that. And so Missy and I, now this is, you know, I'm 20 years old, but we were we were going by somewhere and there was some sign saying they were having some big party at a, at a bar. I said, let's just drive by there and see. I wasn't there 30 seconds. And guess who comes stumbling out of the bar? The same girl who said, wasn't me. I don't know where you're getting, getting... <laughs> that report. But I mean, my point was we, the kingdom, we were doing kingdom work here yep. because when she saw me and I saw her, I didn't even have to say anything. She just, when I got home, guess who's calling me? She was cussing me up one side down the other. Cause you know. she found her in the bar. Well, she's like, what are you spying on me? I told you I wasn't there. I just let her talk. And then as the conversation Went on, you know what happened. We joyfully <laughs> she starts give, crying. You we, know, and, and he's talking convicted. to the Colossians here. The Apostle Paul said, "We're giving thanks to the Father. He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. He has rescued us. He has already 
rescued us from the dominion of darkness mm. and brought us, already happened, into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Well, how could you be brought into the kingdom if you were at Colossae and not be there? I mean, <laughs> give me a break. Well, that's why it matters. We, we, used to, we use the term, it's called the finished work of Christ for a reason. Right, he yeah. finished it. He accomplished it, and then he brought us into the kingdom. Yeah. I want to clarify on my story, too, because a lot of people think, well, why would you be doing something like that? But you notice it says repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And there is a decision you make. And when you're young in the faith, it's bumpy right there at first. Yeah. You know, we're fixed to get to the next section where Jesus was baptized, which he wasn't doing it to be forgiven of sins because he had done. Yep. But what? why would this act be happening of the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove? Well, then all of a sudden he starts his ministry. Yeah. And it, it becomes a shadow for us on what happens when you receive that Holy Spirit. Well, you start your, you start your ministry. That's what you do. And so God declared in that moment at Jesus' baptism that what? He's the Son. Because that's where we get our identity. God declares the same thing to us when we're baptized. Yep. Where he loves us, and this is what pleases him. Hold, yep. hold that one second. Let's take one last break. And then he comes out of the water, and what happens? All oh, bells and glory and prizes and rewards. No, the exact opposite. He's taken out to the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the evil one. So I told that story about that girl because she had said she was going to repent. She said, not me, and turn to God and follow Jesus, and we baptized her. And then a few weeks later, we have reports that she's not just going to bars. She's going to bars and getting drunk and trying to hook up with guys that she's not married to. So as a concerned Brother and sister, I'm like, what are you doing? This, this out of love, but a concerned citizen of the kingdom. Yeah, I'm I'm a concerned citizen. And look, eventually, after that bumpy part, you know, she spent years following Jesus, and we talk about that story now, and we laugh about it, which yeah. it wasn't funny because at the time it was serious. I mean, her eternal, uh. You know, dwelling is on the line. But now we look back on it, <clears throat> like, I can't believe you came to a bar to see if I was lying. You know? Well, I, that's a good point. That I'm glad you brought repentance up because that is what John said. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And, and a lot of people listening today may be thinking, man, I don't I don't see the kingdom. I don't feel the kingdom. I don't feel God's presence. Because when we talk about the kingdom, what we're saying is you're dwelling in the presence of God. He's with us, Emmanuel, God with us, and and that's why the kingdom is near because Christ means Emmanuel, or Emmanuel means God with us. And I think that if you say, "How can I see the kingdom?" Well, just just keep this in mind. That's the same exact question that Nicodemus asked the very next chapter, or or, or John three rather, in John three, the other yeah. gospel. He says, "How can I see the kingdom?" And basically, what Jesus is telling him is, "You got to repent." Yeah, what Je Jesus Wait. said it in Matthew 4, he said, repent for the... And you Peter, what did he say? When we repent. preach the gospel, Luke had it best with when he's speaking of the apostle Paul. <laughs> uh, Paul, here he is. I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task of the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. He said, therefore, I minister of all the blood. So when you preach the gospel, you're basically preaching the kingdom. The last thing in the book of Acts, boldly and without hindrance, Paul preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you read all those texts, that's two of them. You got about eight in the book of Acts. You read that, you say, preaching the gospel... Is the gospel of the kingdom? Yeah, that always he he puts it in pairs a lot. The gospel and the kingdom, the gospel and the, it's not you can't leave them out. And I, I think this matters because even even as a Christian, I've been a Christian for twenty years, and this weekend, like I, I I've I've had these moments where I've had to do this, like I've already repented, 
it's my the Christ. I'm saved. I'm freed from the from the penalty of sin. I'm going to heaven. There's no guilt associated with me. But sin does have a power over me still in parts of my life. And I've kind of felt callous the last several months, and I had to like I had to repent. I <laughs> repented to my wife uh, 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 two days ago. I was like, I have not been leading our family spiritually. I've been I've been um, uh, distracted by other things, so I th- and I and I haven't felt God's presence either. And so, if you're if you're listening and you're like, man, I don't, I don't, what do I do if I don't feel God's presence? If I don't, I'm not tasting the kingdom. I would say. There, you probably need to just get on your knees and repent. Well, I think yeah. repenting. <clears throat> I think a definition of that would be good. I mean, it's a it's a change of your heart, and I think that's where it comes into you. You humble yourself mm-hmm. before God, and you're honest. But you change your thinking also on what produces success. Because if you're thinking how many followers you got on Twitter or you know Snapchat or yeah, if that's where you're getting your identity. Well, that's just a poor way of, of thinking, or how popular, or whatever. You're going into areas that I'm not familiar with. Well, Snapchat. I'm just saying, wh- whether that? you please God, <laughs> Snapchat. I'm gonna talk a little. Yeah. Boom. But whether you <laughs> you got to make up your mind on whether you're trying to gain God's approval. Are you trying to make God happy? Or are you trying to make other people happy or yourself? So I mean, repentance is there's a lot involved that because then when you acknowledge that, well, then your direction's gonna change. Where yeah. you go, what you do, who you're with, what you say. And so you look up and your whole life has changed because you've actually changed lords, which is crazy. Yep. It's from yourself to yeah. Jesus. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and to all Judea, and to the Gentiles also. Look, that's everybody. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. Mm. Which is a change of direction and then a change of life. Yep. Well, I think we're out of time, so we'll hit back. I'm assuming when we our next episode, we'll probably continue with John the Baptist. It may be a good time to talk about baptism because that gets introduced. We kind of Zach, mentioned I'm it glad you showed up all the way from North we'll Carolina. Pick no? up back in Matthew 3. Matthew 3. So I'll be here for the next two episodes. I don't no hate mail. Al's out of town. So Al he, needed some. He, he just needed some time off. He did. He was he's so stressed out. Bless his heart. Well, we just got to pray for him. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.